Hi guys and welcome to Tales from the Plantation Volume 49. Just for listener context, I asked my wonderful co-hosts, does my mic work? Is it sounding okay? And they said yes. Come to find out my mic wasn't even connected. So you can still hear me, but the quality is not as amazing as it is now. So for this, please blame Tunde, Tasha and Nezi. You'll hear them on today's episode. Enjoy. Tales from the Plantation, Volume 49. Welcome back, everyone. We're back monthly. This is great. We're getting into a bit of a rhythm. Come on, recording first weekend of March. That's how we're doing it. I'm your host, Harry Tubman, leading you all to freedom. We also have with us Nezi. Hello. No, I don't I don't want any long speeches from you, so I'm just gonna cut you short. Oh my god, have... I literally disagree. <laughs> I'm just gonna continue talking absolute nonsense for another 20 seconds because I feel like that was very rude. And yet another piece of evidence of, of Harry's femphobia and misogynoir. Because he In didn't even women's know Women's History Month of all yeah. months. I can't In Black Women's that. International History Month. It's not Black Women's they International History Month. This is yet another example of Black women <laughs> trying to say that they made up black, which they didn't make up. Wow. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. The day after Black Women's International Women's Day of Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> you have tried to. Oh, I did. I'm going to scream. But still, <laughs> I rise. In the words okay, of Maya Adams, high above the clouds, never. Oh, it's Yolanda Adams. It's not yeah. even, not even Maya Angelou. <laughs> Come on, Auntie Yolanda. So that was Nezi. We also have Tunde with us. What's up, it's your boy Tunde? You can catch me at tftp underscore Tunde on Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, we also have um, one of our re- recurring friends. Oh, right. You want to say your name, Tasha? Oh, I thought you were going to say my name. No, no, do you know what it is? It's because I can't remember. I I could never remember whether you actually were okay with us just saying your name. So I was like, let me just leave it. But (laughs) I said your name now, so there we go. (laughs) It's, I I don't, I don't mind. It's it's Tasha, Tasha Samper, my full name, whatever you want to use. I just be here. I'm sorry, this introdu- my introduction has been terrible. I feel cheated. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That, that's, that's my bad. I, I that's feel not cheated. A I feel that's robbed. Not, that's I not a femphobia thing. So I, I just I just want to apologize on behalf of all black men. That's not who I am. And I'm working and striving to do better. Tash is our resident K-pop and Beyonce expert. Uh, entertainment expert. Entertainment. I just specialise in specialising. Those are your, like, your chosen subjects on Mastermind. Um, yes. All right. So sticking, actually, yeah, sticking with you. So I mean, I know the Grammys was a little was a little while ago, um, mm-hmm. but you know, as our entertainment correspondent, were there any moments mm-hmm. from the Grammys that you particularly enjoyed that you'd like to highlight? Moments I enjoyed. 
Um, they were few and far between. Um, I loved Lizzo's performance of Special. That's actually my favorite song of her album. When I actually heard that song for the first time, I cried. Like The lyrics were just so nice. Um, loved watching Lizzo win Record of the Year. It was, again, very nice to see a Black woman win in the top four categories because the Grammys like to act like if Black people aren't doing hip-hop and um, R&B, then the Grammys aren't for us. We don't even dominate jazz no more. Um, Just a quick point on that, so... Just for people that know, what's the top four categories? In- okay, so the top four, the top four categories in the for the Grammys are album of the year, song of the year, record of the year, and best new artist. Right. Oh, be- oh, best new artist is okay. It's yeah. considered it's considered top four, but for those who have you know won it before and are reoccurring at the Grammys, then it becomes album, album, record, and song of the year. And Lizzo won record of the year for about damn time yeah so love that love the speech our homage to beyonce always fills me with joy uh like seeing samira joy uh win best new artist did not see that coming well the thing is so that's that's happened a couple i think that's happened a couple of times like where someone left field is when I say left field is one best new. Oh album. no no definitely! I was yeah. just like, if it's going to be left field, I like to see it go in favor of black people again. Like John Batiste winning album of the year last year, making him like oh, the twelfth black person in Grammy history to win album of the year. That's crazy. Twelve. Yeah, he was a left field one, but I love to see it. Black man, get yours. John Batiste is so talented. He's amazing. Um. I loved, I mean, I love seeing Beyonce become the most decorated artist in Grammy history. Deserved. Quite frankly, they should be more. She should have more. There's at least four more sh- she should have had. Mm-mm. But I'm not better. <laughs> um, I forget you're a real paid up member of the Beehive. My bad. Paid? Excuse me. I am oh, the head unpaid. of the Zambian unpaid. division. <laughs> it's, an, it's an unpaid volunteer role, clearly. Um <sighs> Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that Samara Joy, for those who don't know, she's an amazing jazz singer. Go look her up. She's, like, yeah, literally cool. incredible. Completely deserved win. I, I don't listen to her music like that, but I know that her, I know that her voice is crazy. Just, just beautiful. Definitely. Um, what else did I like? Like, seeing Minnie Long win a Grammy. I can't believe that she won it over Beyonce's Virgo's groove. I almost had a heart attack. But again, if if Beyonce is going to lose awards, I like to see her lose awards to black women. Um, other hey. than that, sorry, I'm gonna say that, but I'm, I was just going to say Beyonce won a couple of awards in se- in sections that she shouldn't have won, in my opinion. So, oh, I'm gonna, oh, I'm going to <laughs> respectfully disagree and just say no. Um, <laughs> um, I would like to. I would like to interject here. Um, Tasha, Go on, man. To disrespectfully man interject. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't want respect. Disrespectfully interject here. Let her know. I could, I could never intentionally disrespect Nezzy. So, um. <laughs> thank you. I mean, I don't know. What on this podcast, they just—it's a lot of misogynoir on this podcast. I, am, I I hear you. Any, anyway, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm literally trying to think if there was any other moment from the Grammys this year that I liked, and I just think no, I don't. 
So because I the, besides Lizzo, the performances completely and utterly bored me. I know that Sam Smith had you know the conservatives have in an absolute fit. Um, because, you know, how dare you do anything that represents the devil and be gay on stage in the music industry? Really? Are we still shocked? My God. Um, but yeah, no, no. Uh, I feel like enough black people, the black people said we're actually not holding down the award show this year, as we have done in previous years. Usually we have been the saving grace that and you know the newly found Koreans but no I th- I'm I'm glad that everyone respectfully said we're not playing except for Lizzo I mean wait what do you mean respectfully said we're not playing sorry as in what black people what, what most do you mean? of the time you'll find that the best performances that happen at the Grammys are usually uh, the ones that performed by black people oh right well I mean I, I guess because what what were the who is it that did it it was um I think, so Mav City did a performance, right, with Quavo. Yeah, well, they did it with Quavo. Uh, it's kind of like, that's more like, isn't it the In Memoriam? Because, you know, it's... Yeah, In Memoriam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's, that's slightly... Which which generated some controversy, and I know you are, many of you on this, or all of you on this panel are Christians, or at least Christian-affiliated. So, um, I don't know, how did you guys, how do you guys feel about that? For me my actual main gripe and don't get twisted i actually really do like mav city but they just I don't. they can't be okay <laughs> they can't be winning any more of these gospel categories i'm sorry they just can't no they cannot it's enough y'all actually, are not gospel i actually think it's wrong i, yeah, I feel I like this is i think it's outrageous it's actually annoying i just don't think maverick city i do enjoy a bit of maverick city but i just don't they're ccm music and i just feel like if we're talking about gospel as an art not gospel as in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but gospel as an, an actual style and genre of music. I as just, an art form. Yeah, I think Maverick City are very loose, are, are loosely affiliated to that in the sense that they do do some gospel, like a couple of gospel songs, but by and large, their music isn't gospel. It's just choir music. And that's not the same thing. Like just having a choir does not make something gospel music. It's because they've got right. black members. That's it. That's the only reason why they're not being put in the white category of Christian music. Yeah, I think she's that's, right. That's and they twinned with Kirk as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they twinned with Kirk as well, I guess. Yeah, they did. They got basically they got a co-sign from Kirk Franklin, and there's too many black people for for white people to be like, okay, we can't like you can win the Christian Music Awards. It's like black people automatically your gospel. In fact, I would even argue that some of Kirk's stuff should have been in the C- like some of Kirk's stuff should have been the CCM category, but they put him in gospel. Like, I think he does gospel music, but I think, for example, there's some of his songs, like hit songs, that I wouldn't put in a... I wouldn't say traditionally are gospel music. I would just say... Like what? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, maybe... But actually, I... If we're saying that Maverick City isn't gospel just because they have a choir, don't you think that some of Kirk's songs that are, like, bangers aren't necessarily gospel like they don't necessarily sound like it's the choir aspect that makes Maverick City Ooh. not gospel I think it's the their music stylistically yeah and but I, I think yeah, we I have to make a decision between stylistically um Kirk does a couple of things that are more pop but I would say we're more pop yeah I mean so, yeah, if we're talking if we're talking about stomp we're talking about revolution those aren't classic gospel songs agreed uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's contemporary. It's contemporary. 
It's contemporary. It's, gospel. it's contemporary gospel. Yeah. That's like saying, that's telling me Mary Mary Shackles is not a gospel song. It is. No, it's just it's contemporary. I think there should what, be. I yeah. think then maybe there should be a contemporary gospel. Be a contemporary they gospel used to. And a traditional gospel category. Yes, yeah, so they yeah, used like to. the way they do for R&B. Right, and they yeah. used to and got rid of it for some yeah, stupid reason. Yeah, and they reason. need to bring it back. Because for me, someone like, um, for example, like um, like Donald Lawrence, Ricky Dillard, James Hall, Worshiping Praise, like people like that, they often make quite traditional, or, you know, they make tradition, traditional right. gospel songs. And they make, it's not pretty sounding, but they make quite traditional gospel music. I don't think that's in the same category as some of Kirk's new, newer stuff, or like, I just don't think it is, or like Mary Mary's, I don't even think like Mary Mary make a lot of like R and B, essentially. Like it's not even necessarily like gospel music. They just get put in the gospel category because they're black people singing about Jesus, so it's gospel music. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's like they can't be put in R and B. Yeah, so they don't put them in R and B. They just put them in gospel music. But I, it's not even like, especially for an award show that is supposed to be about music. You just think they just have a bit more integrity when it comes to like making categories for, for music, musical genres. Like it's weird. Mm. So, I, so I would say just talking about who I personally think should have won um, the gospel categories. I think Maverick, you can give them the CCM ones for sure. But for the gospel ones, I would have said for best single, Get Up by Ty Trivet is just clean. That's the, that's the winner for me. And then for best gospel album, actually... I did, whoa, I loved Ricky Dillard's. I actually thought Choir Master in 2020 should have easily won. But if we, this year, it could have been Ricky, it could have been Ty Tribbett, could have been Miranda. But I don't think, I think Maverick and Kirk is not, I didn't think it was gospel enough to really win the category. But at the end of the day, I, I, I respect them for at least for, I guess, the work ethic, because Maverick put in a lot of work. Um, they're pop- they're, they're, the work ethic and they're popular, but I think, I don't know if you guys saw uh, or heard about the Variety article that came out where basically, I think it was five Grammy voters spoke about the way in which they vote. Um, yeah, yeah. And basically what they said, I think... It, Oh gosh. What they basically turned around and said is that they're all glorified haters. So most of them said that, you know, we purposely don't vote for Beyonce because she wins too much. Um, And I don't, I think the one of them definitely said that um, I don't see why we should quake in our boots every time Beyonce does something. uh, but a lot of them just basically confess to the fact that they don't listen to all the music that they're told to, like that you need to listen to in order to vote. And they vote for basically who they like. So mm. many of them even confess that such and such artists, this this album of theirs wasn't even their best. So... Well, and I've seen... So I, yeah, I've so seen that in recent years. Definitely. Huh? So I was saying I've seen that in recent that thing of you just said about like they don't necessarily you like look for the the best artist they just go for the person they like yeah, but, even yeah, if it's not their best record I've seen that yeah so so basically in saying that some of them even admitted like straight up this album that this such such and such person released wasn't even their best but you know I like them and they haven't won in a, for a while I think when it comes to gospel. 
I don't believe that these white voters really listen to gospel like that, but they are very much aware of Kirk Franklin. So Maverick mm. City has a Kirk Franklin cosign. We will pick them. So it's just, yeah, you just reckon they probably were like, oh, Kirk, cool, let's just... Kirk, <laughs> I know him. It's basically yeah. like, I know him. He does the gospel things. Check. Yeah, and they might have listened to him, but it sounds great. And it just, it just does. So it's an easy... It's an easy yeah, I don't mean it's not great. But yeah. like, do you know who I... That, so like, can we go back to Beyonce, though? Because, like, for example, Best Traditional R&B Performance, Beyonce was one with that with Plastic Hop for Sofa and she and the uh, one of the, um, Jasmine Sullivan was in that category with Round Midnight and I'm sorry I just there is absolutely no way to me that Jasmine Sullivan and Adam Blackstone Round, Round Midnight lost to Beyonce Plastic Hop for Sofa I think that is absolutely insane I can because Beyonce you know, was doing vocal acrobatics on Plastic of the Sofa. So that's yeah, totally doing amazing things around midnight, and I just think I, I don't I, doubt that Jasmine does the thing. I, she, but, but I feel like Beyonce wins in categories where <laughs> often the people she's up against. I just don't think she should have won. Like even in when it came to um, what's the other one that Beyonce won? I was just like, why did you? Okay, for the best R and B. Um, La, 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 best R&B I think it's best R&B song no yeah so she did she lost to best R&B performance and then best R&B song she won over hours and hours by Mooney Long and I just again I just didn't agree that no, I, Mooney Long won that no no Mooney Long won best R&B um performance but when it was best R&B song hey, so is that the one where Cuff It won yeah Cuff It won you don't uh, understand how Cuff It won with no, Nile Rodgers and Raphael, for, Raphael Sadiq. No, I don't understand how it won over hours and hours and how me so good by Jasmine Sullivan. I, I genuinely don't. I completely I think, do. I think Beyonce, I think Beyonce um, should, I think she hasn't won Album of the Year when she should have. So like with Lemonade, she definitely should have won Album of the Year for that, like undoubtedly. Compared to Adele's album for me, that's obvious. But I do think she sometimes wins in categories where I feel like she wins over lesser known artists. And I think if someone like someone who's a musician listens to the song, I don't think Beyonce musically is great. She's fantastic. She does a very like produced flawlessly, like vocals are always on point. So that's not that's not saying that she's not flawless. But in terms of um yeah, like in just in terms of general, musically, I don't think she's always better than the artists in those categories for that particular song. I think she sometimes wins because she is more well known than, than the other artists in that category. Like I feel like people, like even people who say that um, they wouldn't vote for Beyonce because she's like she gets many awards, sure. But like, do that some of them really know Jasmine Sullivan or Mooney Long or whatever like that to to actually listen to that music and 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 vote for them over Beyonce? Probably not. Uh, so I just I just don't have confidence that like I think Beyonce sometimes wins for stuff that she shouldn't and then doesn't win for things that to me are obvious so when she doesn't win album of the year I'm like that was obvious to me but then other categories I'm like I don't understand why she she beat certain people like I can see where you're coming from overall I think in this department if you weren't talking about cuff it then I, I I don't behind that song. I don't agree because I just think that that's a great R and B song that had some like some some just amazing artists who I respect working on it stylistically and sonically. So I just yeah. yeah I, if it wasn't Cuff It, if it wasn't that song of the album, then I think I could agree. But I don't. 
I just think it was very TikTok famous, and I think it went viral. And it, and it dominated the charts. It dominated the charts, but that that's to me it does not mean that it is the best song in the category. Just like Beyonce is more popular than other artists, and she's often going to go viral more. So. And to be fair, hours and hours went viral as well. But I just don't think that's a like Beyonce. <laughs> This is my genuine opinion. I feel like Beyonce is a great artist. I do feel like in terms of her actual musical output, in terms of like songs, I do think that sometimes Beyonce fans overstate how good her songs are. Like she puts, she has, her performances are amazing. So like if you watch her on the stage, a Beyonce performance is second to none. Like she's going to give you an amazing 10 out of 10 performance every time, undoubtedly. In terms of her individual singles, some of them aren't that great. Like they really aren't. Can I interject? Because some of Beyonce's singles are not amazing. They're good. No, They're solid. You mean no, just but, like everybody no. else? Okay, okay, but I am going to interject. Because you're going to have to tell me which person has come out with this ten out of ten every single guys, time. Tunde's interjection. Tunde's interjecting. Sorry, black woman. Stop. We are going back and forth. On this, like, I get that you're both very passionate about it, but to be honest, I don't see either of you backing down. Personally, my view is the the Grammys chat. I'm not that big on, uh, like I've said before, right? The the award show stuff. I don't really understand it because I'm like, ah, eh, if music is good, music is good. I don't disagree with you, Nezzy. Actually, I think Cuff It is a very average song. Um, Wow, so you brought me on here to disrespect me to my face. This is what we decided. Wow, okay, all right. Wait, I will also say that, again, I actually do think that Nezzy has summarized it correctly. Beyonce is, is a brilliant artist. She has absolutely won in category. Like, hearing the stuff on, on the timeline, right? Yeah, there's definitely stuff that she's won, and you're like, oh, that song actually wasn't that good, but fair play. And definitely hasn't won where she should have. But I think it's the case of, it feels like it's a case of correction simply to not offend. Because, yeah, there, there, there are enough categories that feel like they're just all over the place. When Whether it's the CCM, whether it's what hip-hop and grime is, whether it's R&B, and... Honestly, listening to Renaissance, I understand that the hype is there for people who really love Beyonce, and I'm happy for you, and I love that for you people. I'll let you finish. But yeah. Renaissance, just like there were loads of songs on Renaissance that didn't hit as an album. No, they weren't for you. Correct. This is what music is. Correct. I didn't say that they were bad songs. I said they didn't hit. And do you know who they didn't hit for? The person listening to it, who happened to be me. (laughs) (laughs) For me, Renaissance is actually one of my favourite Beyonce albums. I will say personally. I I think new Beyonce, I I prefer her to older Beyonce. So Beyonce, like, Crazy Love Era, like, it's not really my thing. For me, the last three albums, Lemonade, I liked maybe mm, four songs on that album, but, like, I didn't love the entire album. The gift album, I liked a bit more of it, and then Renaissance, I actually liked a lot more than the than her than her last albums. But again, as I say, because of who Beyonce is, and and because and no offense, Tasha, of how her fans are, I feel like you can't really have um, a good assessment in the public sphere 
of how good her music is in certain in like certain songs because like th- this it's like very binary with her either you're her absolute stan or you're a, like you just or you hate her and I'm not in that category I love a lot of Beyonce stuff and some of her stuff is mediocre and that's okay I yeah. just think that's all right yeah. yeah so I did not want to spend this much time on Beyonce because yeah, anyway I, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna do it yeah yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. I feel like Tasha is now vexing me, and I feel like I, I have to. I don't know what I'm apologising for, but apologising. No, there's no apologising. We don't. One, we don't apologise. If she wants to apologise no, to no, me, no. let her. No, we're not apologising in this podcast. We don't apologise. We actually do not apologise for opinions on music. Absolutely not. I know, but it's just like no. You know, like Ash, listen, it's not like you said it's something like about apologise if you don't mean it, or if you, if I get that if right. Apologising for don't apologise. No, I'm not sorry. For, I'm not sorry for my opinion on Beyonce. I'm just sorry that I might have hurt Beyonce. Beyonce's fans' feelings because they just what? Oh, that is outrageous! Very I, no, okay, no. gonna do that. I'm gonna go on record and say that Beyonce's music over the past ten years hasn't been that great. Just because I have to offend over someone. the past ten years. No, you brought me on here to disrespect me. You actually no. brought me. Oh no, no I'm baffled. I'm confused. No, no. I'm lost. No. I'm flabbergasted. I'll be real. No, I haven't actually listened. I'll be real. I haven't even listened to any of it. But so you haven't you're... listened, and you've no, no, made no, 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 when it comes to self-titled, when it came to Lemonade, no, no, when it came to the gift, missing, when it came to the Carters, and when it came to the Renaissance. You're missing the point. I'm flipping it. See, this you got me heated. Nezzy felt the need to apologize, so I felt the need to offend. I have to. Because there's no <laughs> way. Me, who is your friend? You decided to be combative with me. No, no, no. This is not with you. It's just with any Beyonce fan that's listening. Because you can't apologise for hurting somebody's I, fans' I, feelings. I, that's I, ridiculous. So I have to I hurt the feelings. Think, I actually think we need to. We need to. There needs to be an examination because it's. I actually feel like it's a bit unhealthy. Like no, because I, here's the thing, and I want to get this on record so people know. There's okay. certain Beyonce songs I don't like. <gasps> I will stand up and testify that I, think have... that I think that 7-Eleven, for example, is trash. I don't know what the Queen was going through when she made that. However, <laughs> but you see, even the language around it, what the Queen was going yeah. through. Hard. What about Why don't you, you call her the Queen? And why not? And, <laughs> and why not? I'm I sorry. Have I offended? Is there anything wrong with my terminology? Oh, you God. haven't offended. There's a, for me, there's a genuine concern. Like it's there's a weird yeah. codependency going on here because yeah, if, if you're not, not codependent, if you're this unable to have a conversation about someone else's music to the point that any criticism is seen as a direct personal offence, man, that's not Ooh. healthy. Ooh, come on, therapist Sunday. It's not Break just it you down. personally. I think this is the problem. With a lot of people who are stands of any singular artist, unless it's your work, if you contributed to it, cool, have this level of personal attachment to critique of it, because then it is a personal criticism. I, w- I will I will step in, though, and say, I feel like, as someone who is a lover, a very deep lover of music, like I feel music extremely deeply, I do understand it to a certain degree, only because when music hits you that hard and that well and to that degree, you feel like it's part, you feel like part of it. Like you, that song becomes part of you, like almost part of your DNA, part of your makeup, if it becomes that good to you. So obviously in all jest, like I genuinely, I don't really have much opinion on Beyonce one way or the other. I do know that like vocally she's, I would say she's the best mainstream 
but she's not seeing like jazz or those guys, and that's fine. That's okay. That's not her. That's not her thing. Her thing is to be the best all rounder. She probably is that. I don't really. Whatever. It's, it's fine. But I do think there are some weirdo stands, which I don't think Tasha yeah. is really a weirdo stand. She's not a weirdo stand. There's a weird. There's a weirdo stand who like search her name and then go mad. But this is not what Tasha is. But Tasha, I mean, she, we've come on and we just kind of, there's been a lot of Beyonce, not hatred or slander, but just, you know, so I hear it. She's just kind of, yeah, Tasha's come on a podcast with three people who are, I ambivalent. wouldn't say Beyonce skeptics. I say we're more Beyonce ambivalent. Yeah, I agnostics. Say, agnostics. Agnostics. Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce <laughs> basically means, not, actually, no, no. I wouldn't say I'm a Beyonce agnostic. I would say I'm a believer. But very more like every every Easter, every yeah, Christmas, Easter and Christmas. Well, Easter and Christmas, we don't say people. I'm not a regular attendee. Whereas I haven't even read and the book. Tasha is a faithful member. Yeah, trust me. I haven't picked I, up I the have, book. I don't. I don't. I haven't paid my time. I don't. I. I never tried I'll it. Have you, I'll have you know. I'll have you know that I acknowledge the existence of a Beyonce. <laughs> I don't know which Beyonce is. Actually, <laughs> codependent. <laughs> Said I acknowledge the existence. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on from this. We're moving on from this. So to talk about um, so uh, more disrespect of, of black women. Um, well, I say disrespect. Some would say disrespect. Other people say other things different. So Chris Rock dropped her Netflix live special, and people are in just utter disarray. Okay, so um, this I know me and Tasha are going to be in agreement. Utter, utter disarray. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be the one that's in disagreement. I already know. It. Which is fine. I'm I'm okay with that. But basically, so for those of you who don't know, he dropped a special. He did a Netflix live special, which I'm not really. Yeah, it was live. It was live on Netflix. Okay, yeah. So um, he did a, he did a couple of bits. So bits that kind of went viral. So the first bit was he talked about Meghan Markle. He said that she was whiny. He talked about the royal family. He talked yeah. Um, and then he spoke about who else did he speak? And then he spoke about Will Smith. He he finally like addressed the slap, like um, publicly, I guess. Um, and so what I think is that there's been this this thing on, and it's just been on Twitter, so I don't know how everybody necessarily feels, but I feel like there's quite a few people who feel like Chris Rock just does uh, humour or comedy that panders to white people, basically. And so and that's bring up been the narrative mom- before the slap, I just want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Go on. Sorry. No, 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 no continue. Go, go, go. No, I just wanted. Um, to and you're coming from that side of it. I want you to explain why you think that. No, I just wanted to first of all put out there that this isn't some. This isn't an opinion that people have just suddenly happened post the Oscars of 2022. People have been complaining about that. I would say probably ever since he went and said, "Oh, who was it? Who did he give permission to say the N word?" Oh, you're talking about the Seinfeld. Ricky Gervais and um, Louis C.K. But it was Ricky Gervais and Louis C.K. who, t- who said it. And then Seinfeld was like, I'm not really trying to say that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I guess from, yeah, from when that clip kind of surfaced. I don't think that clip went round at the time. I think it went kind of surfaced. It surfaces every time Chris, like, I don't know, something happens. So, like, it surfaced after the slap, but it surfaced before then as well. And, like, people are like, oh, swear down. That's what you said. So, obviously... As someone who, I mean, I thought obviously that clip with him co-signing people saying the N word, I thought it was foul. Part of me, I'll be real. There's a thing to me where, like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever had it, but you're black. I didn't think that is his workplace. He's in a workplace. 
like he does comedy he's in the workplace where white people do fair things you don't necessarily know how to respond so you don't necessarily know how he felt about that moment he might look back and think that was actually mad what i did so then why why not say that but i I don't think he really comes out i mean maybe i'm wrong but he doesn't come out and make public statements about a lot a lot of stuff that man has been given enough netflix specials since that happened yeah, for to him do, to address do, that, even yeah, if but, he wants to do it in the context of, if I'm going to say it, let, at least let me get get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, and no. So to me, I think two things could be true. I think he should have, at least, if he's going to say something like that, if he's going to allow that to happen, he should be like, "Yo, that was mad." He should address that. If he hasn't, then that's on him. However, I think what he said about Wolves, I I'll be honest, what I I think what he said about the royal family and what he said about Will Smith was funny. Some people said he just made comedy that panels to white people, and if you just if you like that, then you're panels to. And no, it's just not that deep. Like, and in the I way, think two things can be true at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I think that the royal family thing that he said about um, um, the fact that black people also asked about the color of the baby. Absolutely <laughs> true. Absolutely accurate. And that it, one was hilarious. And it, if it, if that had been a different comedian, yeah, you would have laughed. It's no, no, him. <laughs> The different history with how they talked about black women and how they talk about the black community and also how they how they relate to white people, that could have not only been funny, but it could have also been a teachable moment. Like we could have we could have had a, a small teachable moment about colorism, but because it's Chris Rock who clearly doesn't respect black women, that's number one. And for for two, who clearly panders to white people at, at this point, this is clear pandering to white people. Then it it just didn't it just didn't hit like that for me. It just didn't, and I think for like also the stuff about Will Will Smith. I again, it's the whole it's the for me it's the respect thing. So the fact that respect he was disrespectful to to Jada. Oh my god! He, he doesn't he doesn't come across as in any way remorseful about that, like in any way, shape or form. Why should he be? And then come no, and then doubles back to be like. To almost, um, and especially for me as another, like as another black man, like Will Smith is another black black guy. Will Smith has obviously given a quite a, he gave an apology to Chris Rock, like a public apology. Um, and what Will Smith, and just for me, what Will Smith went through, like for Chris Rock to then come back and just keep calling him a bitch ass this and a bitch ass thing. And, like it just left a very poor taste in my mouth. It came across as like very corny to me. Like it didn't come across as like if my husband was Chris Rock, I, I would be like, nah, you're acting like a bitch, to be honest. Like, stop it. Like we get it. It was a year ago now. You got hit. And you kind of like doing this whole like making jokes about him being a little bitch. Like you're coming across like a you're coming across in a way that, to me, is giving me the ick. What? That's how I feel I about this it. Is, I just think this is, um, out, I think this is outrageous. Can, you know, this can, can, I, can I interject? Because I think I may slightly disagree. Oh? Well, not disagree. Maybe I'm just coming at it from slightly different. Go ahead. It's, Black, okay. it's Women's History Month. I guess you guys <laughs> have the floor. So, I... Wow, we have the floor this month. Thank you. Um... <laughs> So, and that was all of your time for this month. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're very, very mad. Um, so, first of all, I, I just I don't understand why Meghan Markle needed to catch strays. Now, don't get me wrong; some of what he said I agree with, and I think a lot of us have spoken about. Girl, 
for as smart as you are, for as many degrees as you have, and for the like the work that you've done, the fact that you didn't Google this family or didn't expect any race racism from the original colonizers is foolish. It just is. And I'm someone who loves Meghan Markle down. But to go to go up again in front of white people and say, oh, well, you know, it's not racist. It's in-laws because, you know, black people say this too. I'm like, yeah, there's certain things that happen in our community that don't transfer over to another one, especially Um, the original colonizers. It's like certain things you just don't go up. One, you don't say in front of mixed company. And two, just because it's literally like us when we say the N-word. We can say it to each other by choice. It hits very differently when it's coming out of the mouth of a white person. So I just, for and the fact that there's been so much discussion around Meghan talking about, you know, them saying that and the way that the royal family immediately tried to jump on uh, the defense and cart out every black person that they know and who worked for them to say, oh, no, they aren't racist. I was like, sir, that was not for you as a black man to turn around and say that the royal family aren't racist. Find some hush. You're not even British. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is not And I need to land because this comes into the thing about Jada. I was not expecting Chris Rock to have any level of kindness for for Will Smith. I wasn't expecting. What I was expecting was for the material to be better. I was like, you've had, well, you've had a year. The Oscars is next week. So you've had almost a full year since the slap happened to come up with some mm-hmm. miraculous material about what happened. Like, we knew that you are going to make this into a special for the best for you to come up with is to call Will Smith a bitch and then to say that, oh, I watched Emancipation just to see Will Smith being whipped. Really? <laughs> That's the direction you chose as an African-American. Oh, I, God, found, I, about I that, found that so deeply bizarre. That was bizarre. It was I need to comment on that. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> it was so deeply bizarre. But again... Um, I wasn't expect, I knew that he was going to go for entanglements. I, I wasn't surprised he called Will Smith a bitch. Um, and you know what? Will Smith does have some stuff he needs to work on. I will say that. But my thing is this, this, this particular line he said when he was like, oh, people said to me, why didn't you fight back? And he was like, because I've been raised right. I have been taught by my parents that you don't fight in front of white people so I was like pause so you don't fight in front of white people but you stood up at the Oscars in front of a majority white entertainment industry and in front of international cameras and made fun of a black woman because she's bold and you as a black man who made a whole documentary about black women's hair and you said you were inspired by this because of the way your daughters felt about their hair. You knew that you coming at Jada being bold was your way of calling her ugly. You were like, you you don't look right. You look weird. You look ugly. And you did that in front of a room full of white people. Because black women don't count to them. So for black men like for black men like Chris Rock, when he says his parents taught him not to fight in front of white people, what he is saying is that to, to, to men like Chris Rock, black people are black men. So yes. black people do not count when they say black people. What they mean is black men. So other black men, they have a they 
apparently, well, I don't even think Chris Rock does, but apparently in, in their mind have some level of respect for, but that does not, that does not carry for black women. So black women are disposable, dispensable. They'll use them for whatever means they need to in terms of their career, whether it's the butt of their joke, whether it's pandering to them at whatever appropriate time for their Or dressing up like them. Dressing up like them when they need to, whatever. But then when it comes to black men, they, in their minds, feel like they have some level of respect, which I don't think Chris Rock does. I don't think Chris Rock respects black men in particular. I just feel like, Chris Rock is about his coin and his money and absolutely and I will Uh, add on to I find it so honestly I'm so disgusted that I'm almost amused by it but I'm so tickled by what black men find deem worthy of fighting for because I'm just there like especially in the black community y'all will fight and shoot and threaten and make diss tracks about the most minute kind of stuff. Takeoff literally died of gun violence that started over a dice game. But you can't understand, oh, Will Smith is a bitch because his wife was disrespected. Again, in front of a room of white people and their colleagues, and because he defended his wife, he's a bitch. To the point where, to the point where even Kareem Abdul Jamar said that Jada didn't need defending because she's a strong black woman. I'm just like, wow. So we're just out here in the wind. Ain't nobody ever going to come for us. It's even expected that no one should come and defend us, not even our own husbands, because we'll be able to handle it on our own. But had, first of all, he would have never done this. But had Will Smith decided to, he was going to say the same thing about. Anne Hathaway, Sandra Bullock, um, Julia Roberts, and their husbands decided to clock him in the mouth. Everyone would have understood that. May not have liked it because it was on live television, but everyone would have understood that, how dare you come from my white wife? But also, I just think that, um, can I go back to, to this the whole thing about Chris, Chris Rock's performance around white people? Like, this is, and to me, I, I think comedy... There are no lines in comedy in the sense that every every line in comedy is basically a subjective one. Like every person has their own line they draw in terms of what they think is no longer funny, right? So there's people who make jokes about things that are very on the edge and I might find them funny. And for another person, that's not funny at all. And like, you can't make a joke about that, right? Um, and it's different for different people. For me as a black person who is a descendant of enslaved people, saying in a room full of... <laughs> white people that you watched a movie in which another black man was as was been depicted in slavery so that you could watch them being whipped I, I to me I just there was something that was so like and and this is why I say it's also about the history because it's the same man who has sat in a room of white men and allowed them to use the n-word mm. to say that you were okay that you watched a film to, to watch another black man being whipped in a depiction of slavery like it it just wasn't funny for me. And I and I honestly do think, like, I think Harry's right that it does depend who says it. Because I think if it had been somebody else who had said it, who I felt did have a respect for the Black community and for Black women and for his own Blackness, then I wouldn't have felt it differently. But for a man who sat in a room full of white people and was so timid that he couldn't even tell them to stop using the N-word, but he's now so bold that he can go on stage and crack jokes about another Black man being whipped in a depiction of slavery. Like, to me, he's coming across like the bitch. Like that's that is my genuine feeling. Like I just feel like you're weak. 
Because you can't, you couldn't sit in a room full of white people and tell them not to use the N-word, but you can go on stage and make jokes about another black man being be whipped in a depiction of slavery. Like, that's weak to me. Okay, cool. And, and another so, thing that's weak. Oh, I just, nice. sorry, can I get this out? I just find it, it's like, he even said in the comedy special that, you know, Will Smith is bigger than him. Will Smith played Ali, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, basically, Will Smith slapped me because he knew he could beat my ass. I was like, okay, and this and this is the best comedy that you could have come up with. All right. Yeah, I think we're done. Okay, yeah, we're done. done. Thank mm-hmm. you. Okay. Tunde, <laughs> would you like to chime in? I have been intentionally quiet because I haven't watched it. Um, oh, you haven't watched it? I mean, I didn't watch I it either. Watched it. I've seen I just saw the clips. Okay, yeah. From the, from the clips I saw, it felt long. Like, it... It just didn't feel funny. And maybe it's because it's out of context. Okay. Maybe it was out of context. So maybe in the the fullness of it, it might be like, oh, okay. It makes sense as a whole piece because the internet is very good at taking whatever clips you want to make the point you want. So I didn't want to make an opinion based off of incomplete information. However, on on the marketing of it, I'm a bit like, eh, you know what? The cynic in me goes, it makes sense. You need to promote your, you need to promote your special. You might as well make it about the only thing that people have been talking about in relation to you for the last year. Fine. Do I still care? Probably not. Probably not. I've I've not thought about either Will Smith or Chris Rock that much. In the last year, it, like it happened, and I was like, "Oh man, you you got whooped." The slap was was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> Still it funny. was, it was. Let's be. Let's be the shout wasn't funny. The slap was funny. It was funny, sh- and it boosted the, the Oscars shout- ratings. Let's not even lie. The shout was funny. The slap was funny. The walk back wasn't Will Smith's normal walk. He. He held himself different after that. <laughs> he he felt he was like the power, the strength. Do you know what I mean? He he felt different after that, and I'm like, he okay, twisted cool. his lapel. He fixed his lapel as he walked back. Listen, and also, everyone like, like it was a slap. It wasn't a punch. You know, like this, this is my thing. Like, I I think the moment itself has been blown epically out of proportion. I feel like mm-hmm. even continuing to give it this much air is probably doing more than it needs to do. If the special in in general works, then, you know, happy for him because I saw Tambourine, which was his last one, right? And Tambourine worked really well. It was, it was for me, I enjoyed the show. It was the right level of, like, uh, insight and comedy with a little bit of personality to it. So I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed Chris Rock's show. I saw Chris Rock and Chris Tucker in quick succession. Chris Tucker's show was awful because it was just, it was just Michael Jackson um, stories. It was just tax evasion stories. And it was like, ah, bro, you haven't, you got nothing new has happened in the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years. And if the tweets are correct, it feels like this is starting to go down that line of uh, staleness 
that Chris Tucker suffered from when I went to watch him. And I feel like I'd be disappointed. I'd be disappointed if it is just a emptiness until the end bit because um i read a thread that was doing the summary of someone's reactions to it um empty thread up until the end where he goes on what sounded like out of context just a rant about about will smith and jada but i'm i'm to be honest i'm not standing up for either of them i think it's a messy situation will smith and jada's situation is messy enough that i'm like ah you know what you lot you might have to defend yourselves on this one because I don't think it's a defensive. I'm definitely defending Will or Jada, just to make that clear. Yeah, so I'm not defending Will or Jada. So I don't. I, I've always said I don't think Will was right to slap um, Chris Rock. Oh, it's, it goes without saying. It's not okay to do that. It's not okay. I don't think it's okay. Um, no, I understand. No, I, I, sorry, I don't think it's okay. I actually I think understand it. Um, but I just, I just think that the rest of Chris Rock's special might be funny. I haven't watched the whole thing, but from the clip that I saw about, I just, I know as black people we don't. I'm worried about making. I don't feel like black people should be pigeonholed into not being able to talk about certain topics. But I guess for me, I just always have a certain code around how I speak about certain things when white people are present and how I speak about things, and also being aware that how I speak about things can impact other black people. So the Meghan Markle thing for me, I don't like that because he already knows how terrible it's been for her and how abused she's been. And I just feel like if you can't, if you know a black woman is in a space where she has potentially been harmed, where there's been death threats made against her and you are stoking the flames of that side that's actually, that's potentially been dangerous for her and her family, that's not cool to me. Like, I don't like that. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here and say the only the only thing that any of you guys have said right in the past, like maybe ten minutes, is that last bit. Everything else is wrong, and that's okay. why. So Tunde, well, he's not really wrong. He just stood, he just sat on the he just sat on the fence. So I didn't sit on the fence. I said I don't care. That you is, said, oh, you said I, you don't I, care. <laughs> I do not care. But yeah, I you don't care. Don't I also I also don't really care. However, I just think. The whole thing about, I, well, actually, no, no, you guys are not wrong. I just think it's more that I just, I think I'm seeing Chris Rock differently maybe to how everyone else has seen Chris Rock. Am I? Not really, because I'm just like, I don't really need Chris Rock to be at anything. It's the same thing. I'm carrying it over from Volume 48. Shut up and make do whatever it is you do. At the end of the day, he's now dating, maybe marrying a white woman. That guy is... Wait, what happened to the mixed race chick? Mixed race? I thought his wife is... His first wife is black, from what I remember. No, but then he started dating some mixed race girl. Oh, wait. Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe this girl is is, is black. Or Who is she? She's... If, if you see her... Lake she's Bell. She's like... Who? Hmm? I mean, she looks white. Lake Bell looks white to me, but you can... Who? Lake Bell? She looks white to me, me, but someone else can tell me that she's... Well, you know... Oh no, this isn't even the late no, I was talking about Meglin. Oh no, they broken up. Oh no. Okay, right. okay. So, yeah, so what I'm well, saying. It is, is Lake Bell. Where right, did right, right, right. happen? So he's dating a white woman. Okay, that's right. everything. So to me, so to me right. so now, now I don't even like forget it. I'm, yeah, so, so, so I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed. Yeah. Okay. Then, then right. I was okay. talking about the girlfriend that he had after he got divorced, and she's very oh, okay. much mixed race. 
Oh, okay, right. So, so uh, for so, me, so he's, he's he's moved up the color spectrum. That's what happened. Yeah. So, so for me, he's he's doing whatever he needs to do. Right. I, I've already made my opinions clear about <laughs> these things. So I'm not gonna. We're gonna go back on that. Um, oh, for those who may have joined the podcast as recent listeners. I'm not against interracial relationships, not at all. But I do think a lot of black men who date white women do it from a place of self-hatred. Most of them do. I just think that's just very obvious. And we can go into it, but just go back to old episodes. And that's not everybody, that's just some people. Most. Anyway, so that's that's that on that. <laughs> I think with the Meghan Markle thing, I 100% agree. The, only, the reason I agree is because I think it could have been funny if everyone didn't hate Meghan Markle. And so to me... I felt like I've been forced into a position to like Meghan Markle. And I, well, I don't really, I don't even really like or dislike her. I just defend her because white people hate her. <laughs> if white people didn't hate her, I'd just be like, yeah, why, why are you mad? If white people didn't hate her, I wouldn't have any of this dim at all. I'd be like, you married into a royal family, you do, you, you do whatever you need to do. But because white people hate her, I love her and I defend her. That's just the way I see it. So on that point, I totally agree. But I have to do, I do have to say. If you ignore that mega, the, if the mega Markle bit, I would say, when you look at what he said about the royal family, about them being racist, I think that's how you contextualize the next thing that he said about that stuff is just indoor stuff. He's clearly just making a joke there. Like he's gone and done like a minute on why white, on why the royal family are the original colonialists and racist. I don't think he should have said, why is mega Markle complaining? Da, da, da. But just, but just for, because everybody else is saying that. But I think he's not saying that the royal family is not racist. He's definitely not. He's obviously making a joke about like how black people. No, I'm not saying that he was saying that. You know, I'm not saying. I no, 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 I'm not saying. An intelligent person. I don't think Chris Rock is. Chris Rock would say. I don't think Chris Rock even believes that the royal family is not racist. No, but he's he just, said they were racist. So that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying already. He's just making a joke. But I'm saying you're making. There is a thing of like comedy is comedy, right? And com- comedians can make jokes, and they're gonna. But I think that for for me, the the line is drawn when it comes to like someone's personal safety, and I think the direct effect of. So even we had we had this conversation um yesterday about inciting hatred. Like sometimes words are can be dangerous in what they do, and I think for when Chris Rock, um. Because of the climate around Meghan Markle at the moment, and because of how how vitriolic and how downright, like, literally dangerous it has been for her and her family in terms of what people have threatened to do, even what we saw recently in the news with Dr. Shola Moss um, and that threat from that kind of far right organization, like, for black, a lot of black women who are in the public eye, like, things, when their name comes up again in the news cycle, it just it's not that their name just it's not that their name just comes up in the news cycle. When their name comes up in the news cycle, it also increases the death threats. It also increases the actual right. like, level of potential physical violence to them. So I feel like as a black man, you should be mindful of how you speak about things. So downplaying Megan's experience of race, even in jest in that way, I think if you're gonna make that kind of joke, you have to think really, really carefully. Is it like is it worth it? And is the joke that funny? Like, is it, is it, like, if you're going to make the killer joke of your special and it is like the best joke ever, and you're like, you know what? That, I'm, that is worth it. I'm going to, that joke is so good. I can't leave it out. She's going to take a little bit of a hit with it, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. That, that joke wasn't worth it. Like, it, it honestly, yeah. it wasn't. So, well, I mean, 
I did just say I agree with you on that point. But again, yes, that's the right. That's the reason you shouldn't have made that joke. <laughs> if Megan wasn't getting anything, then he could have made all those jokes and it would have been fine. However, but he's like I said, he's not planning to be on on whatever. He's not planning to defend. Okay, I can't say that. That's not necessarily fair of me to say because he's dating white women. He's not going to do that. But <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but so yeah, I, that's the thing. That's the thing I agree with. However, the thing about Will Smith, I actually feel like his whole thing was really everybody else is calling you a bitch and didn't say anything, and you want to slap me. And but I feel like that's also what we said in the podcast, which is I don't really think Will Smith was that mad at Chris Rock. I think he was mad at everybody calling him out of his name. And Chris Rock just happened to make the last terrible joke that caught that broke the camel's back. That's it. And I he, said I agreed with that. We agree with that. But then also remember that Chris Rock also has a history with Jada. It wasn't, and that's the other thing. Like we're forgetting that Chris Rock also has a history of um, wasn't he trying to like hit on Jada or and she wasn't having it. Like there's not. It's, not it's all of that. It's, it's not just a straightforward history there. But it feels yeah, like a lot of that is his internet hearsay is that all of that actually the history is that all of it actually true i haven't been able to verify that but i have but i have heard rumors that you know the smiths have not messed with chris rock for a while but that again that's just hearsay i i agree with the fact that bro everyone was calling you out of your name and oh yeah i agree i think chris rock was the last, like, the last nail in the coffin. I think that, you know, there is a lot of work that, like, Will Smith needs to do internally. My thing with with Chris Rock was when he said, well, I don't, I didn't fight because I was raised right. I was raised not to act like this in front of white people. I was like, so why were you, why did you choose Jada? And I think the thing that bothers me, as, as and knowing this as someone who works in entertainment, when the comedians go up at award shows and they roast celebrities. They're specifically meant to roast the nominees. Jade is just there as the spouse of the person who was up for best actor. Yeah, so I think, so from his special yesterday, I'm just reading more about it. Apparently, Jada was trying to stop Chris from hosting the Oscars at some other point. So it just seemed like it was just beef. They had entertainer beef and... Was, apparently, what, Chris, I'm reading a history timeline. Chris Rock has basically made and has has made other jokes about Jada in other specials. They haven't been terrible jokes. They're not having he, like not. He, in the, but he's 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 made jokes about Jada specifically on that same Oscar stage. The last time, yeah, he, last time, yeah, yeah The last time he had hosted the Oscars, he made that joke about. When when Will and Jada were boycotting the Oscars, and yeah. he said that that was like him boycotting Rihanna's panties, like you were yeah. never going to be. He was saying to Jada, "You were never going to be nominated for an Oscar for anything. So what are you boycotting for?" Yeah. I was like, "Sir, you don't the the trajectory of the music, not music, the entertainment industry, acting specifically, you don't know that." And look, look where we are. Yeah, so he said that. And he also said that, like, Will Smith, he's like, the real charity is Will Smith should never have, like, won anything for concussion. Like, he's made a few jokes about them. Which, to be honest, I feel like you can't be oversensitive about that in the sense that it comes with the territory that if, you like, a comedian will make jokes about people. Like, I think it maybe it felt that it was, like, they were a target of repeated jokes for some reason. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what I, think, I think, to me, I would just, so... 
I think it's two things. I think it is they have interpersonal beef, but I do think maybe to a certain extent, well, for me personally, I guess you can kind of, you could probably say, I wouldn't say for definite, but I would say based on what I'm seeing, that he's just not really, he's not necessarily down like that. Even though, yes, he's done certain things, I think maybe things change. People change as they get into the entertainment industry. I feel like maybe the same way Chris Rock was like 15 years ago is not the same Chris Rock we see now, which yeah, is sad, but that's just, that's just, and yeah, and, that, and that's just it. However, what I'm saying is I didn't necessarily think that, like, I thought certain bits were, like, the certain bits that I saw, I laughed. I didn't think it was, like, super funny. It was definitely funny in the Oscars joke because that was terrible. That was the worst joke possible to get slapped for. But I, at the same time, I'm like, I don't really, I don't care enough to, like, it's just... I mean, I've never said this on your podcast, but I will just maintain my stance of I I think that Will Smith should have slapped him. I just think he should have done it at an after party. I'm just like, (laughs) it shouldn't have happened on live television because everything that's happened to your career right now simply wasn't worth it. But had I found out that, you know, Will Smith slapped him at the Vanity Fair party or like Jay-Z and Beyonce's gold party, I'd have been like, fair. Oh, see, chat shit, get back. You see, you see that. Honest, I would have found that worse because I, I would be like, you had time to sit on it and then you decided to do it. I don't know. I, would I still, I don't necessarily have an issue. Like, I feel like, like, say, look, some, what Solange, look at what Solange banned. did. Look at what, look at what Solange did. I thought that was, I thought that was hilarious. I think that's a classic moment. Probably more classic than the, more than classic. The I, oh, well, that's, in, that's incredible. Beyonce just but standing there on the side of the lift. Oh, that is, Beautiful. That's one of my favorite celebrity moments ever. Oh. And to be honest, it made me like Beyonce more because I was like, <laughs> that is such like that is such a, such a woman in my family type of response. Yeah. Is is that not such a like? Is that not such an our mum response? Yeah, yeah. Like you just yeah, you just have to you catch your lips. Like, That's it. Honestly, well, <laughs> honestly, I feel like I would have been like that is exactly what she would have done. She would have stood there and been like, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved. In this. Also, you know just... what? I will have to say, as someone who has, t- as someone who has two sisters, who, like I, I, I f- yeah, we're probably as combative as Solange. I was just there, like I saw that footage, and I was immediately like, she's on her sister's side, because when I saw her actually move out and, like you know, actually adjust her dress while it was happening, and <laughs> then afterwards she got in the limo with Solange and not with Jay Z. He got in a separate car. I was like, oh yeah. He, like, she's on her sister's side. He did something wrong. But I think that's, it just kind of shows that, I don't know, these people, they're just people. They have regular family disagreements. They have beefs or whatever, just like, just like everyone yeah. else. They have ain't anything men as well. <laughs> and they deal with it. Yeah. The other thing I would say, Tasha, just in your, in reference to the point about where he should have done it, I don't. I don't much care for that. I think wherever he did it, it was going to have a some impact, but it's not actually had that big an impact on his career because since that has happened, obviously Emancipation came out, but he also has seven products either in production or in development. And that's just as an it, actor. It has. No, has it, it has. Yeah, has it? Really Bad, Boys, Bad Boys 4 is in production. An untitled I Am Legend sequel is in development. He's I'm not got- saying that those things aren't happening, but I'm te- I will say this, and I there's okay, there's certain things I'll talk to you guys about, but off the camera, sorry, the, off the mic, but it okay. definitely has. And even for emancipation, almost guaranteed 
that would have been an Oscar conversations if it hadn't been for the slap. The fact that the the fact that the entire film um, industry has Never ignored mind. emancipation except for the NAACP awards is very telling of like Will Smith's treatment. Now, the thing is though, he is big enough in Hollywood. At one point he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. He's big enough where like his, his projects are not going to come to a complete halt. Like Bel Air is still happening. Like you said, he's got like these seven other projects, but has it had an impact on his career? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, he ruined his, he ruined his own moment. But anyway, I'm done talking about Will Smith because, you know. But what I will say is Bel Air, if anyone's watching, is great. I'm still watching. Season two's up. And it's oh, fantastic. I love Bel Air. I um, love Coco Jones on that. Like, she's I really love her so much. I don't watch Bel Air. I've said I need to get into it. I just haven't had time. No, but really, I love her. Really, she's, it's really good. Um, but who's watching Harlem? No, well, I'm going to start. Where can I yeah. watch that? Is that on Amazon Prime? Amazon Prime, yeah. yeah I um, want to start because that scene where the black girl started running and then all the black people followed. Oh, is that from Harlem? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought that I, was just a joke that someone head. filmed. No, no, That's no, He's my favourite character in Harlem. What I will say is watching Harlem made me, like, realise why um, Megan Good and Devon Franklin were probably not going to work. Why? Why? Um, just because I feel like Devon Franklin, like Megan was just, she just doesn't. She's too buff. Well, maybe that, but I just think, I just think Devon Franklin was, the vibe that he was going for was definitely like inspirational speaker slash pastory-ish. Wait, do you mean his vibe or his vibe for Megan? No, his vibe. And I feel like Megan was on a diff like slightly different vibe and I just feel like what do you think I, her vibe I, is? Pray tell judgmental Christian woman. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going to do with the character. No, I'm not Ooh, I'm not saying that's a good one. I'm not saying that's it's a bad vibe. I'm just saying it's a different vibe. I feel like before I feel like while he was she was with Devon, I feel like she at the beginning she was taking she she didn't seem to be taking roles that she'd taken previously. And then towards the end of the relationship, she started taking on. Oh my gosh, I've just dropped my headphones in the, my tea. Um, <laughs> she, she she started taking on more roles that seemed more like authentically what she used to do before, like basically more roles where she could she was a bit more sexy or whatever. Um, and I just feel like that was. You feel, more, that was part, you feel like that was part of it. I I don't I wouldn't be I don't want to spec. Obviously, it's their marriage. Let me not spec it. I just feel like watching it made me think. Oh, possibly that was part of the reason but she seems i watched an interview with her and she was like yeah she feels really comfortable and happy in herself and i'm like cool Ooh, she feel like yeah cool. i guess that's because that's the thing sometimes i feel like when people get married they kind of you know them especially like maybe with a, like say with a christian man he might marry somebody who's not who who may be of the same faith but doesn't practice it in the same way and yeah. like they want them to like it's not celebrity from that's just a general thing where they want them to kind of not I would say panda's not the right word but kind of mold into the kind of Christian yeah maybe conform into the kind of Christian that they, and they're hoping like after marriage they'll just get it but really it's like sometimes it's like well you can't change people that's what people always say but it's like you know how much is it like they're trying to be a different person for you but if things don't work out and they just kind of revert to what they were doing before it's like 
maybe that was I don't think she reverted because I remember when she did Deception I think that was like 2012 2013 so that was very early in their marriage that show was so sexy that had the oh what guy was in that it had Laz Alonso from Avatar and from oh what is it Fast and Furious 4 my favorite Afro-Latino guy ever but yeah that that show was very sexy. I think it's just because it got cancelled. Maybe more people don't know about it. But Maybe. right. But yeah, I think another thing that came up in Harlem, which I thought was really, in- which I don't, I'm not saying she's not her character, but it's just it just made me think about like things that maybe people don't not talk about before they get married, but things that maybe. Um, so she in in the, I don't want to spoil too much, but there was basically a conversation about having about having kids. Um, and a decision like whether or not to have children and so this is kind of off topic a bit of a segue but um I just feel like a lot of people don't understand women who don't want children like women who don't want children are it's almost like people don't really say that like people don't come out and say I just don't want kids like a lot it's, it's almost like people assume that you want kids Especially and, if you, and if you say that you don't, because I, I have friends who don't want kids, the first thing that comes out of people's mouths is that you'll change your mind. Like people yeah. don't accept yeah. the answer. People don't accept that answer at all. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, I, which I never understood because I'm like, childbirth is a very like dangerous thing. <laughs> like, not even childbirth is dangerous. It just might, you just might not want them for you, yourself. Yeah. Or you, you might, might not want, want, yeah. Or you might just not want, want them. Themselves. It's just like, it's just everyone has their own personal choice. Let people live the way that they, they want to live. There's enough people having sex and having babies. We won't die. <laughs> we'll be okay. The way people say it is if, like, it has to happen for, like, society. I'm like, bro, it's not that deep. Well, like, they're enacting whole laws to make sure that people don't have that choice. Um But, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. But I guess going back to the overall thing of, like, you know, Megan Devon, I think... I think that a lot of times people either don't ask or they don't listen and respect what people say. So it can be anything from like, a, you know, a girl hearing a guy say, you know, I don't want anything serious right now. And she sticks with it, hoping that he changes his mind. Like literally yeah. we were having a conversation with like a friend of ours and we were talk- and we were all saying how like, you know, none of us wanted to marry a pastor and the, our guy friend was jokingly saying, oh, you know, but what if, you know, he wants to become a pastor, doesn't say anything to you because he knows your views and then hopes that now that you've got married, you'll change your mind and be down for the ride. So, like, there's some people who do that, who literally hope that being married or now that you're the mother and father of the kids will will change you to conforming to what they they want. So wait, would you... Did you- Wait, but would you would you not marry a pastor? Never. Why is that? I don't want to. Number one, and I, and and I will give it. <laughs> no, um, but generally, that's enough reason. Is it? Am I? I don't know. Am I the only one on here who's a pastor's kid? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Elders, yeah. elders, pastors, good. Yeah, I I completely understand because the pressure of being a pastor's kid was a lot. Let alone actually having to be. Yeah, it's it's a very different like, and it's it's not something that if you're not if you're not down for that because the reality is you're going to be in a relationship where 
your your partner won't necessarily be able to put you first. So you've got to be emotionally ready for that. In the moments where, and, and for me, I know that's one of the reasons why I can't be a pastor because actually the the challenges I had with feeling like I didn't get enough of my dad's time really affected me. And it was a, it was a very personal thing. So I, th- I think it is very wow. valid for people to be like, nah, I wouldn't want to marry into that because it is a lot. It's a very demanding task. And some people, their faith is strong like that. And I respect them. Like I respect people who... Um, I respect people who married in and there was no sign of pastoring or a call to faith being part of the the journey and then accepting it as as it um as it happens. So they suddenly get the call after they're married. I respect mm. people who marry into someone who's already on the path because they know what they're signing up for and they are willingly doing it. I respect people who are like, nah, I cannot do it. Right? Because I think the the issue I have with the suggestion that she should feel ba- that people should feel like, oh yeah, well maybe I'll change their mind. That's coercion, man. Give people the opportunity to say no, even if it feels like it's going to hurt you. That's what a relationship is. You're being very selfish by being like, I'm going to hide this this thing that I want that is going to impact them, in the hope that essentially what they're saying is hopefully once i've locked you down and you feel a sense of entrapment or you feel like you can't get out of it <laughs> let's not let's call a spade a spade what they're no, it um, is, that's way more terrible boy <laughs> that is literally what it is what you're telling me is i'm not going to tell you this now because i know you might say no but what i'll do is i'll wait until it's slightly harder when there's more connections maybe we we we've gone through the the public pressure, the public peer pressure of get, having a, a wedding and people have come and what are they going to say if we then split up? Or maybe there's the the financial pressure of we've bought a house together, we have financial connections that are difficult to sever, or maybe we have a child together and suddenly the additional pressure of you don't want to break up the home, you don't want to do this, this and this, and then I'll tell you that this is my plan all along. That's really manipulative. And to be honest, that's one of the biggest issues with with Christianity if we really want to go into it, right? There's too many pastors who know that they can use societal pressure, who can use the fear of shame and negative emotions to manipulate, and it's mostly men doing it to women, let's also call a spade a spade, and manipulate them into doing things that we want in the time we want them while giving them the, the impression that we're going into this with honesty, with openness, and with, uh, yeah, with that freedom. Like, you, you've you come and you've told me what your ambitions are, and I'm going to pretend that I'm on board with it, knowing full well that I have a secret ambition that is likely to derail a lot of that stuff, that's likely going to impact what you can do. Like, take any other job that's just as public pressure. The problem is, yeah, being a pastor's wife or a pastor's husband, if the woman wants to go and be the pastor, you can't then assume that you can do whatever you want because it's then always going to reflect badly. It's going to reflect on your partner. Right? So you're limited in what you can do. Like, we're, we're talking about the roles she took. For her, part of that could have come from the fact that she has to consider what people are going to say. How can you I be pastoring and you're... 
how how can you be pastoring and your wife is in all these movies showing her body, doing this, doing that? And that's then going to impact on her career because let's be honest, you married someone who is incredibly sexy, who is beautiful, and she got a lot of roles because of that. And that's probably what attracted you in the first place. Right? To then and I don't try... think he met her on a film set. Yeah. Just to clarify, he's not a pastor. He's just like a preacher. Like he preaches and does stuff. Okay, but same same difference. But yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I just want to, yeah, just clarify. And I will, I will thank you, by the way, because you have spoken such a word. And I'm like, thank you for sharing your personal experience. And even though I know I don't have to justify my reasons for not wanting to part, marry a pastor, I will just say it. Um, I've never liked the notion of having to, I guess, perform for the congregation. Like you've mentioned, there is a level of public scrutiny when you're a pastor's wife. Um, I don't, I, as and you guys know me, I don't fall into, I would say, what traditionally a pastor's wife should look like. Never liked the idea of having to move wherever my husband is told by the conference that he has to go. And then now there's the added layer of the job that I have. Because I work in entertainment, there are already people who think that I am not as serious a Christian because I do it. I've had people question me about my Sabbath keeping because of it without knowing me or without knowing um, the conversations I've had with my superiors and whatnot. They just assume that I'm a Sabbath breaker. And so I can't then imagine having to marry someone who is a pastor and then have people think that they can start, you know, like, you know, schooling me on the profession that I've worked very hard to get into. And my mouth is and my mouth is way too unhinged for me to take that with any level of grace. God is working on me, but Amen, sister. But yeah, so I already didn't want to um I already didn't want to marry a pastor before I became a producer. I certainly don't want to marry one now. Listen. Yeah, and I think that I think for me, yeah, for me, it's pretty much. I mean, I don't have a, I have a very, I have a very traditional career, um, but I've actually had, <laughs> I've had people say like just church guys be like they wouldn't want to be with me because of my career, um, because like they feel like it won't be conducive to me raising kids or, blah blah blah, blah. um, and I just I, I for me huh? I just feel like, yeah it's career. Yeah, because like the hours and blah, blah, blah. But I just think also that there's a thing of like with pastors' wives, you're expected to be in the background instead of being in the, like you're supposed to be the background dancer to the act that is your husband. Like that's yeah. how people think you should be, which is, which it doesn't have to be because there's definitely pastors' wives who like stand alongside them. But that's generally the feeling. And I'm, I just feel like I have main character energy, to be honest. I certainly I, do. I can, confer- I can confirm that from the many times <laughs> I tried to interject in that Grammy section. <laughs> and I just feel like my energy doesn't, it just doesn't lend itself to, to that. Although I have seen a couple of pastors wise who definitely have main character energy and I love that for them. And I, and I know of people who I can think of in my mind right now, who I'm just like, yes, they managed to like maintain their individuality and do their thing. And so we married to a pastor. 
But for me, is that also, unfortunately, like, <laughs> I find pastors are in a similar category to politicians to me. Like, I, I've just found a, like a few of them to, well, quite a significant number of them to not be straightforward. Mm-hmm. And that that bothers me because I feel like it's a job where you're in the front a lot. You can be quite charismatic, quite suave, quite, you know, good at winning people. All, all the things that will probably make you good at being a pastor could also potentially be problematic in a spouse. Does that make sense? Like, and that's not, it's not just for pastors. That's for a lot for other professions as well. But I can just like, yeah, for me. And that's no you know no like I have pastors in my family like who are like great people but yeah that's my that would be my my problems wow <laughs> on that note <laughs> let's I, I just shuffle. how we got there but that was I don't know how we got there but um loved it. we should just be shuffling on um so speaking of uh interpersonal relationships um, the guy, there, so there was a clip going around of a guy <laughs> with seven kids who said he has no responsibility for them because he told the mums he didn't want them and offered money for the abortion. So I just have a simple yes, no question to the panel. I'm just going to go around. No long thing. This is not time to give your opinions yet. Is okay. he right or wrong? Yes. Is he, okay. Is he wrong? Yes or no? Tasha. It, it, specify the what is he what do you mean is he wrong for is he wrong for not having responsibility for his kids because he told the mums he didn't want them and offered money for the the abortion yes or no is he wrong yes Nezi yes Tunde yes oh wow Uh, uh, three yeses I guess can I explain my yes it's very simple it won't even be long go on because in the law won't run like that. Once once a do, once a judge has you swabbed and they find out though that your DNA is in those children, you have to at least financially support them. And in the US of A, which it sounds like his accent is from, if you do not pay your child support, you are going to jail. So tough titties. Mm. And tough titties. Uh Nezi? Yeah. Any advance on tough titties? Um, tough titties, <laughs> and additionally, um, I just think once you had two, like at, se- at seven, who is the ass in this situation? Is the is it not you? Like you're you're stupid. Like at this point, you have decided this is a decision. This is not an accident. This is a decision. You're deciding to have multiple kids because you're having unprotected sex. You know how biology works. You know that if you have unprotected sex with somebody then they, you know, they're potentially going to get pregnant. And he said he was refusing to pull out. I just feel like we need to note yeah. that he was refusing to pull out. He doesn't want, like, he knows. And he's so, he's just, he's just getting impregnating people. So the idea that if you don't want a child um, and somebody gets pregnant, as long as you offer pay for the, pay for the abortion, then you have, like, absorbed self-responsibility is ridiculous because abortions are the, in themselves can be traumatic for, for, for some, some women like I, I i'm a firm believer that every woman should have the right to abortion but let's not downplay it into like it's just a casual experience for some women it is a casual experience for some other women it's a very deeply traumatic experience and they would rather go through with the pregnancy than have to deal with the, the potential trauma for them of abortion okay so you have put a woman in a position where she has to make that choice 
So that automatically puts you in a place of responsibility. And it wasn't something that happened. Like it wasn't like the condom split or she poked a hole in the condom. You knew that that was a potential outcome. So if you knew that was a potential outcome and you went into sexual intercourse knowing that, then you have responsibility for whatever outcome that is. You knew the outcome would be that either she might agree to the abortion or she might have the child. And you knew that before you entered her. So therefore it's your responsibility. Tunde? Um, not much to add to that. Yeah, uh, one or two, maybe. But and and from the sounds of it, it was it. It's like seven different women. So this this person is going around moving rago, like, sir, control yourself. Condoms are not expensive. It's not that difficult. <laughs> Actually, just be a responsible human being. And and he even called. It, I was like, yeah, yeah. People say that I'm, I'm not responsible. Whatever. It's like, yes, yeah, you are a horrible person, man. Own it. Because I don't know, I care less. I care less about the adults in the situation and more about the children. Because if these children are born again, that is another generation's worth of trauma that you would hope that we're learning from. Like it's as simple as that. If you are someone who doesn't want children, like, but you want to go ahead and be having having unprotected sex up and down, get your get your stuff snipped, man. Get yourself snipped. Go well, for it. Well, there it is. Like, so, just take. Yeah. Uh, ah, I feel like I feel like it's is we're gonna end up being you know Women's History Month. We're we're pure feminism, nothing but this month. But nah, man, this is it's a very simple simple solution. Either behave yourself or take protections. Or if you don't want to do either of those just get snipped man Ugh, nasty i will say though i do think there should be some kind of legal provision this is going to be very very controversial i do think that there are situations huh Chappelle said this already i think but go on yeah, probably. Yeah, I think he did. I do think there are situations... Like, I don't know how... I, I'm really torn about this. On the one hand, I feel like any man who has sex with a woman, you have to have the concept that you might end up being a father. I'm sorry. that, And to me, that's just one of the many reasons why you should be aware and conscious about who you sleep with. I just think... Yeah, that's my opinion. But then I do think... For, there is a thing of, like, if a man is very, very clear that he does not want to... Say, for example, a situation. A man wears a condom, Right in the sexual intercourse. He's very, very clear to this woman. I do not want a child. I absolutely do not want a child. I'm wearing protection because I do not want a child out of the situation. If you, if anything happens when you get pregnant, like I don't want anything to do with this child. I'm wearing a condom. So you don't get, something happens. The condom breaks. I don't know. Like there's a hole in it. It's an old condom, whatever. She ends up getting pregnant. They, it's not, you know, she doesn't find out late. She finds out in really good time. He's like, okay, can you take the morning alpha pill? She's like, no, nah, she don't want to. She wants to have the baby. I, like, that, there, there is something about that where I'm like, mm, if after well, that you then that's kind of deception. Say, no, 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 it's not deception. But if after that point you're like to the man, yeah, you need to pay child support. You need to be there for the child, like emotionally. Like, oh, it does feel a bit like, well, he did take steps to specifically not have a child. Like, he, he made it very clear that he did not want a child. He wasn't in this for anything serious. He does not want a child. This is just sex. He wore a condom, something went wrong, and now you're refusing to, like, whatever. It just feels like, fine, have the child, but then to then expect that man to, like, 
take full responsibility for that child as if it was just like I think a good man would and if it was my son I would just hope he would but I'm just saying if if the man in that position is then like actually not like I don't want to are they a terrible person maybe yes I'm 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 on yes are you are you only saying this are you saying this because you're a father though no I think they're a terrible person to the child but I'm just saying like oh I don't know like no, you are, you are, you are. If you don't want a child, don't sit back and be having unprotected sex. No, no, no. She said no. She said no. She said in a situation where you've done it because people do get pregnant when you've worn a condom and even when like the person's on birth control. Like sometimes it happen. Then, then no, no. I don't. I don't think they're a terrible person in that instance. I think this person is a terrible person. Yeah, this person's have, definitely terrible. Yeah, no, but she's, 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 she's posing a hypothetical about someone who does it. If you've tried, if you can to not have a baby, like from your end as a man, as in like you've worn yeah. a condom. Okay, sure, getting a vasectomy, you obviously. And if you're someone who wants kids in the future, you're not going to get a vasectomy. Sure, yeah. getting a vasectomy. You've worn a condom, you've asked someone if she's on birth control or whatever. She, yeah. she says she is, or yeah. But for some reason, I don't know, the condom splits and she's missed a pill or whatever. She gets mm-hmm. pregnant. Okay? You've made it very... You, this is not like your long-term partner or something. This is like a casual sexual relationship, right? You're a 25-year-old guy. You're at the beginning of your career. Now this woman's like, okay, I've got pregnant. I know we said that this is... I know this wasn't anything serious. I know yeah. I said I was taking a pill, but I forgot. I'm sorry. And I know you wore a condom. This stuff has happened. Is the guy in that in that situation, like, should there be a provision for the guy to be able to, like, rescind his responsibilities? Oh, rescind your responsibility? No, sorry. If it's an accident from everybody, then you just have to hold that accident. If, yeah. the, woman, if, the, if the woman was, like, could have done things to pre- prevent it and didn't purposely, then I think that's a bit different. Yeah, okay, yeah but if it's if it's just everybody everybody yeah, forgot you, you your your condom split and then she forgot to do this and it didn't forgot and then everybody just forgets everybody just gets a bit absent-minded well boy sorry i mean you're hold gonna that. have to hold it but again I, just, I guess i'm thinking legally it's just not gonna run like that like at least from a financial perspective i mean the guy can tell her don't don't put my name on the birth certificate don't do that. I'll I'll pay, but I don't want any involvement. But I just think that later on, that that man is going to have to hold an account to that child. Like that, that's a problem. Like obviously, in terms of the child, like I always was. For example, I would always say that for any man that I know and love, I would say to them, it does it it does not matter how it happened, and it doesn't matter that you didn't want that child. That child is now yours. You have an emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever responsibility to that child. But I can just, putting myself in the shoes of somebody in that situation who really did not want a child, and now this child is, that's 18 years. Like, you have to pay for that 18 years. Like, you had no plans for it. You did everything you could to avoid it happening. Well, don't have sex. I guess. Sex yep. comes with risks. Correct. It is what it is. I mean, Correct. I, guess. I don't know. That's And that's, that's what they told me in Sabbath school, to keep okay. myself to Again, oh. this is... This is where this is where I come. This is where I come in with Tuesdays life experiences. <laughs> <laughs> every time, every time I slept with someone who I wasn't in a long term relationship with, or who I wasn't planning to create a life with, I knew what risk I was taking. And the reality is, you do what you can to be as safe as you can. So. 
in the right. instance you gave, right, this hypothetical that you gave, I don't think there'd be a bad person, right, if they were like, ah, oh, man, I didn't want this, but this has happened. I don't think they're a bad person, but the reality is there is still a responsibility there, right? When a decision is taken, now that's not to say that you then have to have any caring responsibilities for the child, right? You, yeah. don't, ha- you don't have to be in that child's life because if, the, if you've said to the mother, look, I do not want to be a parent, I think you have a responsibility to the child as their parent, as their biological parent, but you do not have to be in that because... I think the only thing that will be more traumatizing to a child than not knowing who their parent is, is having a parent that resents them actively. I, like, I, that's interesting to me because I feel like if you have a child, like whether you want it, want it or not, you have an active emotional responsibility. There's a difference between not knowing if you want it and actively. If you are someone who's like, I actively do not want, do not traumatize that child because there's no way you're going to engage with the child that you don't want. Actually, if that changes and over time, you're like, you know what? Let me be more active. Let me be more engaged. And that is a willing decision. Cool. Talk to the mother and discuss that. But you no, don't, you don't want to go in. You're just going to like deal with it. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. Maybe. But you have to move. Financially, I would say yes. Financially, why yes, emotionally, unassuredly. Why can you kind of? Why can you sign away your like em, emotional and physical responsibility? As in, like spending time with the child. So, for example, like you, like you can be like, I don't want to see the child ever or ever take care of them, but you have to provide for them financially. Like, no, I mean, if I was a, if I was a, if I was a woman, if I was a mum, and the, the guy was just like. I don't want. I don't want to ever see this child. But I'm going to send you a check every month, unless I was really financially desperate. If I was in a position where I really needed the money, then whatever we need the money. But for example, in the position that I am in now, in which I could probably take care of that child like by myself, it still might be a struggle. I'd probably be like, I'm good. Like, if you're not going to ever see your kid, I don't want to have my to have my kid know that his dad is sending a check. My dad is sending a check every month, but wants absolutely nothing to do with them or see them. I'd rather you just. I would I probably. I don't have to know. Them. You don't have to tell them. Yeah, like, I just don't, and also, Nezi, do you know how expensive childcare alone is in this country? Correct. No, no, I know it is. What I'm saying, so I said, if I was in a financial position where I was able to not have it, like I know for most people, they probably would need to just accept the money. But I'm just saying, if I was in a financial position where I wouldn't, if the father was like, I don't want anything to do with the child at all, or like I don't want to see them, I'm like, I don't want your money. That's how I, but maybe that's my pride. I just, I just feel like I just don't I, like. I think that's that. pride, and I think pride has to come out of it when you've got kids, because yeah. if, the, if the you don't have the, the option to, to provide for them financially by yourself, and yes, obviously it does. But if you do have the option, if I had the option to provide for them financially by myself, I would be like, I just, just be absent, like just be completely absent. But listen, don't if I, if I had Tracy Ellis Ross money, then I feel like yeah, I would say that. But the the thing is though, it's like. The number of things that can happen when it comes to children that we don't even have to think about. The only person who can relate is Tunde. Is like everything from, I don't know. What if you decided you wanted a night nurse? Mm. Because remember, you're also doing this alone. So you're the person that has to get up. And, you know, every time this child cries, you have to be there. And 
even with the job that you have, you're going to be on maternity leave. You're going to need childcare at some point. Honestly speaking, it is, I think the financial responsibility cannot go away. And I think we do have to be intentional about removing our sense of self when it comes to the well-being of the child. Like, even if you are in a financial position where you can do it on your own, it does not make sense to me to not accept the additional help because this isn't someone who's then... Well, it, does, it, it does me in a sense for the child, not just for, the, for me. I'm not talking about just for me. I'm talking about for the child. How? Yeah, but why does the child have to know? Correct, yeah. You don't have to yeah. tell them. Why, like, why would the child know your bank account? No, but I just feel like for a 50, I just think, like, for example, when they're really young, maybe they won't ask questions. But for a 14-year-old, like, yeah. am I going to lie to them and say that I have no idea where your dad is and I have not, I, like, I just literally don't know, I have no contact with him when the man is sending me money every single month. Like, I just... But you I might think, not know where, but you might not know where he is. There's also, I, there's also very different Are you paper trailing the money? No, but I'm just saying, for me to say to that child, like, I don't know where your dad is. I have no means of getting into contact in contact with him, but I'm getting a regular thing in, in my bank account. Then that means I do have some way of tracing this man down. But, do you see what so I mean? There like, is, there no, is, no, but there are different conversations that you have at different points, Nezzy, right? So if this mm. is if this is a situation where the man has said, I don't want to be in this child's life, but um, I do, I'm still going to pay, give the money. Up, like up make sure this child isn't destitute make sure that you're yeah. good yeah up and up until a certain point up until a certain point you don't have to you don't have to say okay look you're like you're not going to say look this man doesn't want anything to do with you um but when they are emotionally mature and you you would have to do the work to get them to that place the conversation you have is okay so as as two grown adults we had sex you came to be now we had the conversation and your father said that actually he doesn't want to have a child it wasn't about you he doesn't want to have a child but what he's not going to do is leave you without provisions so he is sending money but he has said that he doesn't want to have um he doesn't want to have a child he's not he's not ready for fatherhood Right. And what that um, what that gives is a space it's a space for the child to understand and you need to explain it, right? That it's not it's not a personal thing for that child. Yeah, but it will feel personal for that child. It is, and no matter you how have to explain that it isn't, right? This it this is why the person's not it's gonna feel personal for that child. And if the child knows that, that 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 parent is regularly putting money in the account, that is gonna spark in that child some inkling that on some level this parent cares enough to pay money for me. They are probably going to want to go and find find that parent. I'm sorry, if I was a 14 year old and you told me my dad was putting in 200 pounds every month into the account or whatever, yeah, that means that the person is out there somewhere. I am going to want to go and find that parent probably. Every child is different, but there's some children who will definitely want to go and find. Whereas if Listen, that person if, if, has if the child removes that situation and we have no contact and no means of the finding, there are people who are like, I don't know who my dad is. I've never met him. My mom was everything to me. It was fine. I, I just, I just think no, I, yes, I money is important. I, I, I just disagree think, with you too. Sure, I think money is that's that's fine. I'm just saying from my perspective. I think I'm not talking about if you're financially destitute or you're struggling. Obviously, accept the money. But I'm saying if I was in a position where I did not need to accept that money and I could still look after the child adequately, for me, 
I, I think it, I think personally, it's better for that father to just not have input than to have this kind of half input where it's financially and the child knows they're out there paying this money and probably has some impetus to want to go and find the parent, which I think could which I think could emotionally be as if not more damaging than just being like we don't know where this guy he, like he's just gone. It's what it is what it is, and I but just how, think. But how does that's my personal opinion. That's just that's just. How is it any different, though? Because if there's children who's wanted to know who their parents are when the parent wasn't paying financially and didn't want them. And I also think that's leaving room like the child's also going to have a conversation with you about, okay, so you knew going into this from the very early stages that this that this man didn't want to be a father to me and you still chose to have me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why, which is why, which is why my original question is: for women, is should there be some kind of legal provision in that in that situation? Because for you to have a child with a man who is absolutely totally from, like has done taken every precaution to not have a child and told you they don't want a child, and then you've gone ahead and then had a child, like that's I think that's unfair to I personally think that's unfair to the child. I don't want to judge anyone's situation in particular, but I personally think that's kind of unfair to the child. But I can understand again if you've got pregnant. Like for some people, abortion isn't an option. Like more than isn't an option for them, like on a moral standpoint. So they're not ever going to do that. So the only option for them is to have a child. But there's also the option of they might want a child, just period. Yeah, sure. But I'm saying if the man's gone into it and told you that he specifically doesn't like, has no desire for a child, like the position that man is in now is this is his whole life, entire life is now going to change. With and he has no input. Whereas with the woman, you are the one who it technically has full control in that situation, because you're the only person who can decide whether or not to keep that child. Like that man actually has no, like he has no say. He has no control in that situation. He's literally just relying on whether you decide to or not. But then I oh. guess yeah, it comes up to the fact that if you're a man, then that's that's the responsibility you have. You just have to know that that's the situation you could be in. Well, that was a nice little discussion about family life. Um, (laughs) anyway (laughs) to wrap it up Adventist um, home you know I mean literally (laughs) um, to wrap it up we're just going to talk about uh, Manchester no I'm joking (laughs) I'm joking today I'm joking I'm joking I'm joking Um, but I don't actually want to end on something that's kind of just I, I wanted to. I was fully ready to talk about the the R and B duets. Oh yeah, let's end on that, please. We Go spent on, the whole time talking about Beyonce at the Grammys. What okay, what's the R and B duets? So it was um, Tasha. You remember the conversation we had the other day about how there's just none of the the duets happening now that make you feel yes, the chemistry. Yes, yes, I agree. Like so, the the tweet was. Let me let me get the the tweet up. Um, da, 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 jar rule and Ashanti were like peanut butter and jelly when they linked, right? The yeah. idea that every single one of theirs, you believed that jar rule and Ashanti were truly in love, even 100%. even if there was nothing going on, and and me and Tasha were going back and forth just trying it to name the, the the future the the other examples i mean nelly and kelly for me was my number one Love like it. Yeah. dilemma that music video had 
I can't Crazy. remember how old I was when it came out. I was like, yeah, convinced. That Excel text message was real. That was real. <laughs> Not the Excel text message. <laughs> Listen. Oh, I sat in my bed and I actually sang that out loud about a guy that I liked. Oh, wow. I was saying, I love you. I oh. need you. Oh. Is that name? I love you. I think Ja Rule and J-Lo had some good chemistry as well. They did. I'm real. I'm real. Oh I'm real. real. Yeah. I what was she said the N-word? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, but the yeah. thing, here's, here's something that people, not a lot of people clocked. Ja Rule was actually in the music video for the original I'm Real. Like, J-Lo does her thing, and then at the end, Ja Rule just pops up. Like, he was in there, like, fully, like, giving her the, like, look up and down or whatnot. Was that that one of the songs where Ashanti sang J-Lo's stuff for her? That was, no, that was the Ain't It Funny remix. Ah, okay, okay. Um, Buster Rhymes and Mariah Carey, I think. Oh, my gosh, Buster, oh, yes. Buster Rhymes and Janet Jackson. LL Cool J and J-Lo. This is what I'm saying. Like what? back then, Ooh. we had music videos that made me believe. But I think well, that's because more I'll US give it. In... Usher and Alicia Keys, my boo. That my video. Boo? Yeah. Oh! Can we also just talk about like Alicia Keys' video back in the day? Like, I used to love an Alicia Keys video back in the day. Same. Like the one she did. Yeah, no, my name was great. Alicia with Method you Man. Don't, you don't Alicia know. Man in her video, yeah. Alicia, oh, you don't know mine. Well, no, what am I thinking? You don't know mine. Yes, with Moss Death. Oh, yeah. His voice is so sexy to me. I have loved him since I watched him in the Italian job. That man is gorgeous. Yeah, I I love him so much. You know what? Maybe maybe my complaint is less about the R&B duets and more it's just music videos aren't giving it anymore. It's, it's the music videos as well. I miss it. Give me give me Hollywood visuals. I want a story that is semi unrelated. I went over to K-pop. People wonder because I'm filled over there. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Do you, know what, do you remember in the Buster Rhymes Mariah Carey video where there was like even like a cartoon section? Like, I thought, like that was, I thought that was Mariah and Jay-Z. No, with the baby, if you give it to me. I didn't know there was a cartoon section in that. It's not It's not a section. They, they, it's like a comic strip. So it's like they tell the story of a comic and then it's... Oh, like, a comic yeah. Like, they don't, do they do stuff like that anymore? I don't well, know. I, like... I would say I wouldn't, I wouldn't put people on the same level of um, ingenuity as Buster Rhymes. Like, Buster Rhymes is known to have one of the, some, like, be an artist with the best music videos in the world like he's right up there with missy elliott people don't make as much effort as he did with music videos mm. like he understood it was an art form yeah they don't they just don't. but then to be honest music videos aren't as much of a thing anymore like i re- i remember sitting in my friend's house watching the flourishy video like that's a just that's a, that's like a distinctive memory for me when i was like maybe Which video? 15 15 um Floetic, just like and and say yes. Oh my gosh, I literally remember like watching the say yes video. All you gotta do is say. Yes. I, I, you know, what, actually, no. I think it's both. I think it's both because song like that, that's the video, yeah, the good. video had to be like 
Huh? Yeah. Or the- um, Just Friends with Music Soul Chart. I'm not trying to... Back in the, and also there's this movement in like the kind of late, was it early 2000s? Well, where like mid 2000s where the neo soul kind of, and there were so many beautiful black women in music videos, just like with afros, like the whole natural mm, hair mm, thing, mm, mm, the vibe was just right. Like Erica Badu's videos, like, ugh. I, and, and I was, because I obviously I put this in the, in the group and I did some research into it. And I was just looking back. I'm like, nah, do you know what? It definitely... One, it wasn't just the R&B dudes, but two, it's the vocalist that we actually had because there were Endless Love, Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Like, that wasn't, like, sexy, but I believed they were in love. I believed. Because back then they had to sing in the studio at the same time as well. They were definitely staring mm-hmm. each other in the eyes and they were believing that. And also we had we had, like, celebrity power couples, like, we had our Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. Like we had our Faith Evans and our Biggie. Right, we like who are our power couples now? Janae Aiko and what's his face? I don't even remember. Big Sean. What's his name? Big Sean. Big Sean. It's not giving the same. Beyonce and Jay Z are like the. I w- they're the Beyonce ultimate one. Drunk, drunk in love, drunk in love. I'll give them all of the ones before. Maybe Bonnie, and, Bonnie and Clyde didn't make sense oh, because Bonnie it wasn't. And Clyde, I like it, that one. it wasn't. It wasn't romantic, but you saw that and you were like, "Oh, there's something there." There is, yeah. But there. also, the thing is, though, Bonnie, it was Bonnie and Clyde. O three got eclipsed by Dilemma. Yeah, they yeah, came yeah. out around the same time, and we did not let Dilemma true. die. Yeah, it's so true. Nelly, oh Nelly my God. It's because one. Oh, Nelly, you like Nelly and Beyonce, like if she'd huh? put the work yeah, in. I think. I think. I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I didn't. I missed the question. Do you think Kelly could have been Beyonce? As in, like Kelly could have reached a similar level of? Oh no. no. Um, I think she could have been bigger if Matthew hadn't purposely stifled her career. Yeah, I was going to say I, I, Beyonce was very intentionally set up to be the Beyonce. Yeah, she was. Even when I look at, like, when like I see on Twitter when people bring up old Destiny's Child stuff now, I was like, oh, like, this is not good at all. At all. Um, she was definitely set up. But, yeah, I think that Kelly should have d- ditched him as a manager the round about the same time Michelle did. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no. And but, uh, something that does annoy me about Kelly, though, is that she's very indecisive of her projects. Yes. I do feel like she doesn't... Sometimes I'm just like, is she coming out with an album? Is she... Like, what is she doing? Yeah, she'll, she'll set something up. She'll put something out and then there's no follow-through. There's no, like, consistent promotion. There's... Like, there's been a couple of times that she's done something and even Beyonce's promoted it. And it's like, Kelly, what are we doing with this? Like, where's the momentum? So yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get that she's been in the, the music industry for years and she is who she is. Like she's good. I, I guess, but I don't know their journeys behind the scene, but I feel like the difference between the two of them is that Beyonce has the drive to still keep going with her craft and Kelly doesn't. Yeah. That, it kind of gives that vibe. And I feel like maybe Kelly just is doing other, like doing other things. I, I don't know. I think she's doing other things to sustain. She might, she might actually just be one of those people who's happy 
to not be in the that's true. Like, there's and a that's lot of pressure fair. that comes with it. And that's fair. But going back to the R&B thing, I think the nature, I mean, they talk about this on Twitter all the time, like, especially the energy that men are giving from R&B for the last couple of years. Men don't beg no more. Men don't want to be in love. <laughs> you know what? I just, I just want to say, not just in R&B, but in life. Where's, where's like, the Ray J's one wish? Where the mediocrity I'm hearing, yeah, the mediocrity I'm hearing from women when they talk about their dates, when they talk about online dating, everything. Girl, girl, it's, it's, it's hard out here. It's just being lackluster. It's just giving mediocre. It's just giving no effort. And they're it's not inspired just... to. Look at their leaders. They don't beg no more. Where the jagged, where, no, but where the jagged edges of this world? Where is Drew Hill? Oh gosh, where's the meet me at the altar in your, I mean, that song's a bit problematic. No, but no, no, that song, that song is t- that's no, a song of them settling but still boys, boys, boys to men I'll make love to you is the biggest beggy song ever yes the, the break... the thing we need we need to hear you beg even bring back B2K B2K knew how to beg oh my gosh beg even bring back Bobby Bell no that was not that wasn't you needed to listen to the B sides no one needs to listen to the B-sides, okay? If it wasn't on the A-sides, <laughs> we're done. Also, back in the day, R&B artists were making movies in a way that they're not making movies now. Like, I'm sorry, B2K and what did they, what movie was it? Um, you Got Served. You Got Served? You, a classic. Yeah. Yep. You Got Served started, You Got Served is the film that started off the whole dance movie trend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, know who your daddy is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who we need to call on? We need to call. We need to bring Jamie Foxx out of retirement. Yes, Uh, a triple threat, quadruple threat. Listen, I was looking through. There was a. There was a like a TikTok or um, Instagram reels thread of just all of his, all of his incredibleness. You're like. Yeah, now nah, this guy needs to come. When he back. sang to um, Serena Williams at the oh, which award show where he was like, he wants. I think to it was a BT or was it? I think it was no, BT. Sports Awards something. Yeah, it was Sports Awards. Okay, it's like there was everybody was there, and he was like, "I want to be your tennis racket. I want to be your tennis, tennis ball, ball yeah. or something like that." Yeah. Oh, that, that one. Yes, Serena Williams was like she was a hot. Not that she's not, but she was a hot spice. Like she was. Yes. Yes. She was doing well. You know who's an other, another um, like old R&B duet that I loved? Um, Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross did some incredible duets together. Like Stop, Look and Listen and then You Are Everything. You can have convinced me back then that Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross weren't in love. <laughs> no, you, do, you know, do you know why you could? Do you know why Because well, Marvin Gaye was because- gay? No, because Marvin Gaye was giving that energy to everyone. Marvin Gaye, It Takes Two with Kim Weston. Marvin Gaye, Ain't No Mountain High Enough with Tammy Terrell. Oh, he no, sang but every with one Tammy, of those songs with the fullness of his heart. It's true, but with Tammy, he actually went into a full-on depression when she he, when she died. I think that there was some element of love there. Like, he was not okay when she passed. I didn't but, know that. Yeah. But you know and, and this is the thing, though. I feel like back then, so like the Lionel Richies, the Marvin Gaye's, the Luthers, I feel like because of who they were, you could believe every song. Because you look at them, you look at how they looked on every album cover, 
you looked at them in their music videos, you're like, yeah, you know what? There is a possible, the, the likelihood of this being entirely false is zero. There is something yeah. in there. Mm. You know what I listened to the other day, and I was like, they definitely didn't get their flowers, or they weren't as big as they should have been. Blue Cantrell, that girl can sing. Like, hey, like she can sing, sing. And I, I was listening to what was I didn't listen to. Um, sorry, I just when you talked about people believing it, like when she sang, "Hey, ladies, when you man go and get buck wild." Yeah, like, <laughs> like I. I believe it. I don't know if she went through that situation, but I believe she went through that situation. The way she sang it, I believed it. Now, I was actually like, looking into the other day, like why she fell off. Let me, uh, let me see. Because I was just like, she should have been. She could have been big. Like her voice is amazing. She was, and she had her like her two solid hits. I remember were great. And I was like, I believe you when I sing. Sometimes now when the girls are singing about stuff, I'm like, mm, I don't feel like this happened to you. I feel like the writers in the writing room wrote a good song and you're singing it. And you're singing it well, but I don't believe this happened to you. Whereas Blue Cantrell, I believe she took a credit card. I believe she went to the mall, you know, on a Neiman Marcus shopping spree. I believe that all that happened. <laughs> and she wrote about it. This is it. I mean, there's... I, I think you're right and we we need that back that is my big call because thinking about usher right that whole confessions album i don't know how much of that was or wasn't him because oh my gosh, I no jermaine dupree wrote that like we all thought the confessions was about him cheating on chili which he did but the out but confessions was written by jermaine dupree i don't want to know because we're going to tell me that it's not it's going to ruin the experience for me as far as I'm concerned, that album is about Chili. Do you see okay. what I mean? Do you see how... Oh, that's my goodness. Sold it. Wait, wait, hold on. Because speaking about music videos, Chili was all up and through the singles of 8701. Like, we're talking about, like, Tunde, you're talking about music, right? Yeah, Music yeah, videos, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And how they made us believe. Chili was in, oh, what music video was? You Remind Me? She mm. was in You Got It Bad. Mm. Oh, which oh, was she? She's she's the main she's the main woman in the video of You Got It Bad. I'm just playing you remind me now. I don't remember. You remind me, um, she's the woman right at the end. Basically, he got women that are different variations of chili. You see, this is this is what we need. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. Bring back that era. I want the music videos. I want the songs. I think you're right. Bring back begging because if and it's going to give us the kind of music. Mm-hmm. and then to make songs from that. Oh, that's what Mary J. Blige does. That's why when Mary goes through heartbreak, we're like, "Oh, the album is coming." <laughs> that's true. Not that that's we don't. Daniel's- not that we don't. Re- we don't revel in her her misfortune because we don't. No, but like "Good Morning Gorgeous" is a is a is a great song. Mary J. Blige is just amazing. And all through this, Harry has stayed quiet. Harry not caring for the R&B people. Is he here? <laughs> I'm still I don't know where Harry's gone. I, mean, I don't think he's here. No, no, I'm still here. I was waiting for you guys to... <laughs> I tried, to, end, I tried to help you guys out, but um, you guys were going back down memory lane and I was here reminiscing. Just for, for the listeners' benefit, I'm also... I have COVID currently, so... I'm also ill, 
So that's the other side of it. If you haven't heard much from me this episode, that is why. I'll be back in full force next episode, but clearly my exertions, um, I'm still not up to full strength. So, yeah, one rant per episode at the moment until I get back to full strength. And we're all the better for it. Wow. Wow. Watch when someone else messages me again saying, oh, can you stop Lizzie from chatting so much? Anyway. Um, Hold on, who messaged you saying stop Lizzie? So on that note, this has been Tales from the Plantation, Volume 49. Um, I've been Harry Tubman. Uh, Massive thank you to everyone who's tuned in. Um, And all jokes aside, happy Women's History Month. International Women's Day is on the 8th of March, Wednesday. So... um, Maybe just to end, just a very quick book recommendation for anybody who wants to, um, I guess, know more about how to be not an ally, but an advocate for women in their life. I would personally recommend Men You Hate Women by um, Laura Bates. Great book. Anyone else? Um, Chia Mando Ngozi and Ditchie is everybody should, everyone should be a feminist. It's very short, small. You could read it in like an hour. Great. Nezi Tunde. I would go Invisible Women, Caroline Criado Perez. Cool. Nezi? Um, I would probably go with the Anything by Bell Hooks. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with Anything by Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks. Yeah. Good shout. I would say Ain't I a Woman because I read most of that and that was really good. Um, great. Well, yeah. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you know the spots. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all of that stuff. Um, and yeah, we will see you next time for episode 50. Bye-bye. Peace out. Bye-bye.